It's almost a hypnotic suggestion. The way that they sit there and they get you thinking along a certain line just by sitting there and nodding and making these affirmative gestures, not even words, just affirmative gestures. And you see that and your brain starts saying yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get you. Christians put their trust in these pastors who betray them. They prey on women and children, they embezzle church funds for their own personal use, and the trust that Christians put in these pastors allow all of these things to happen. And why is it necessary to hurt the NFL? Why is it necessary to hurt anybody? Why are you know. people always so fixated on violence and threatening people and all of these things that your religion is not supposed to be about? I thought that your savior was the man of peace. Just how crazy are you when other crazy people are accusing you of being crazy? Welcome to Unbound, a podcast for new atheists and lifetime atheists, ex-evangelicals, truth seekers and free thinkers there is life after faith and life here is good it's time for a new perspective and a better conversation i'm spider and i'm shell and it's time to get unbound difficult things about my job is that the boys always want to talk about sports in the car. <laughs> I personally have no interest in sports for the most part, not even the one that everyone is going nuts over today. And that can make idle conversation in the car a little dicey at times, but you know, I just can't help it. I mean, what's in it for me? This is my question. This has always been my question <laughs> about professional sports. What effect does the outcome of a game have on my life that I would ever expend so much emotion on it? You want to get me to care about professional sports? Here's how you do it. Make a rule that everyone in the winning team state gets their next three mortgage payments forgiven. I'll pull out my foam finger and drink my warm, flat $24 stadium beer for that. Otherwise, just miss me with it, okay? You know what really excites me, though, about when the big game rolls around every year? Hmm? It's the anticipation of several months' respite from having to hear <laughs> anything about football oh seriously i'm dead serious it's i'm i'm just in it for the discounted pizza and wings people and i take solace in the fact that it'll all be over in just a few hours so hang in there with us and let's dive into this thing of ours i'm spider and i'm shell and you can obviously mark us safe from any participation in sporting event hysteria today because right now we have bigger fish to fry but before we get into the heart of these awesome stories that we have for you this week. Just want to remind you that next week is the week that we are dropping our episode on homeschooling. And yeah, I've come up with a lot of good stuff. I had the plan to give you little snippets every week, but it's like, why give them the whole episode before we actually get around to discussing these things in depth? Some of the things that I've come up with even surprised me. Some of the things that I've learned even surprised me about this. And that's on the positive and negative side. So we're going to lead in with our Christians behaving badly like we always do. And then we're going to dive right into this episode. And I think it's going to be an eye opener for a lot of people on both sides. Yeah. Because believe it or not, there are positives to this. But just like with anything else that the evangelicals have a foothold on, there's a lot more on the negative side. So yeah. you're going to hear both sides just like we try to do all the time. And that's going to be happening next week. But for now, contracting confidence in clergy... Profit versus profit, politics and palm trees, and a timely story about homiletics, sexual phobias, and gridiron demonology that I'm narrowing down to our game day extravaganza, Christians Behaving Badly, Blurred Lines of Scrimmage edition. 
Shell, what have you got for us this week? So the newest Gallup polls show that trust in clergy people, including pastors, is declining. Again. That's good news. Again. They're not at the bottom yet. Those spots are taken by car salesmen, members of Congress, and telemarketers. In any particular order? No, I, I don't mean, think that's, so. That's a good list of bottom dwellers. But Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure that's the bottom three. Yeah, no no disrespect if you sell cars for a living. Hopefully you're not one of the types that this little statistic alludes to, but still. <laughs> yeah, but yet people are puzzling. Why is this the case? The poll has been monitoring the steady decline since the year 2000 in organized religion, churches, and clergy. The survey also reflects evangelicals' beloved culture wars. A distinct political divide exists in responders' answers. Republicans rated fact-based professions, nurses, teachers, doctors, pharmacists, and journalists much lower, and authoritarian figures, police officers, clergy, bankers, business executives, higher than their Democratic counterparts did. It's an interesting survey. Interesting and not at all surprising. Oh, no. So the Christians are left puzzling, but the Southern Baptists think they have the answer. Why, people just don't know any pastors personally. Since church attendance and membership has been declining, many people just don't know any pastors. It's just that simple. Oh, it's just that simple. Yeah, we don't know any personally. Um, I know a few. I know a few. I mean, the constant scandals in the news are all they have to go on. It's just that simple, trademark. Everything is just that simple as far as they're concerned. (laughs) But no, no, that really has nothing to do with it. And with all due respect, the more pastors I know, the less likely it becomes that I will ever darken the doors of any of their churches. Uh, Yeah. I've said before. It's about the system and not the individual. But when you put yourself in a position of leadership and you keep perpetuating all this stuff that the system has dumped into your brain over the years, it does very little to make you likable or relatable as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. So I don't know. And it would be interesting if we could do an experiment around this and literally introduce people to some pastors and see if they are motivated to go to church. I think most people would be motivated to run headlong in the opposite direction if they actually knew more pastors. I'd love to know where they get their data, but I know that it probably just comes directly from their rear orifices. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's an interesting opinion, Yeah, but do an actual study Mm. and see what the outcome is. Get to know these people. They're pastors. And let's see how many of them wind up going to church or getting saved and how many of them just wind up turning tail and running. Well, Christian groups tend to do this. They see that there is a problem, that they're not getting the numbers they used to get. So they pick a solution that is outside of them. Yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with anything that they are doing. Right. But what they perceive as, oh, non-Christians, they're just blank. Yeah, that's true. It's all their fault. Yeah. Even when they're actually looking at problems within their own organizations, didn't we just talk about this like last week? Probably. Where they did this massive study. It's a couple of weeks ago now, but they did this massive study about what was wrong with their church. And when they actually found out, they wanted it to be hush-hush. They didn't want the public to know. 
So yeah, they'll never look at themselves as the source of the problem. It's always someone else. And it's just convenient to say, well, people don't go to church anymore because they don't know any pastors. No, I know plenty of pastors. And let me tell you, there are a couple that jump right into my head <laughs> as really, really, really good reasons to sleep in on Sunday. Yeah. So they'll never take responsibility for no. the things that they do and the idiotic way that they present their religion. No, it has to be because you don't know enough pastors. <sighs> and if you knew a few pastors, then maybe you'd go to church. Yeah, no, I know plenty of pastors. And <laughs> with all due respect, that's a big reason why I don't go to church. Yeah. Unfortunately for them, this really doesn't make the Southern Baptist Convention look any better. Christians put their trust in these pastors who betray them. Oh, yeah. They prey on women and children. They embezzle church funds for their own personal use. And the trust that Christians put in these pastors allow all of these things to happen. Absolutely. Their trust is like a shield protecting them. No matter what the pastor has done, churches will often close ranks and protect their own. For all the yelling about accountability they do, they don't demand it from their pastors. No, and that's that's kind of an interesting phenomenon. The person sitting next to you in the pew could be in the crosshairs. But the pastor, I mean, when just thinking about the way the Assemblies of God used to deal with this, most of the time, if a pastor was involved in a scandal of some kind or certain things about the way that he manages his position are called into question, it's solved with things like closed door board meetings yeah. where certain decisions yeah. are made without the input of any of the members of the church, which is something that's not supposed to happen. And they'll also employ remedies like counseling. That's a big one, especially when it comes to sexual offenses, things yeah. like that. It boils down to, we're going to have this guy go for counseling, and uh, we'll have the associate pastor take over the preaching responsibilities for a few weeks, and he'll be magically better and cured of all this bad behavior when he comes back. Oh, yeah. Whereas someone who is sitting in the pew could find themselves not only publicly shamed, but ostracized yeah. for much, much lesser offenses than yeah, yeah. what a pastor will get away with. That's for sure. The thought that becoming acquainted with more pastors will create more trust in them is laughable. It's beyond laughable. You don't know who is sitting next to you. You don't know who they are. They're putting on a face on Sunday, but you don't know who they are. No. I mean, but that's that's true of anyone. That's, we, yeah. we show the rest of the world the parts of us that we want them to see. Of course. And that's just human nature. Right. You know, there there are people who listen to this show who might take issue with the way that I handle certain things. I'm not on here bragging about the knockdown dragouts that I get into with <laughs> some parents at the driving school. I'm not sitting here talking about the negative interactions that I have with people. I don't want to say on a daily basis, but often enough that I could probably make another podcast out of it. But... This is the part of me that I project to other people. And there are many, many facets to who I am and the things that I do. And, you know, I'll put it right out there on record. There are certain things that I do, certain opinions that I hold that may even clash with some of the people or many of the people that listen to this show. So we all do that. But the danger in it 
is when you start accepting the equivalent of, well, let's just say it, worship from yeah. people. Because you are, as a pastor, the representative of this God that is behind this crazy religion of yours. And no matter how much you want to try and push the spotlight off of yourself, people are always going to look to you as being second in command to their yeah. God. So that's why I believe there's so much forgiveness yeah. when it comes to the things that they do. Well, this person is my spiritual leader. He's my covering and he has these faults. But where do I go right. if I don't have him? And regardless of what they try to tell you, because I've heard pastors say from the pulpit that I'm not your savior. I'm not the person that you should be putting your trust in. You should be putting your trust in Jesus. But that is not human nature. No. And they know it. They know it. And given the fact that this entity behind everything that they preach doesn't exist, where else are we supposed to put our worship? Mm. Where else are we supposed to put our admiration and our loyalty? Where are these things supposed to go if they don't go directly onto this person? Most people in the pew will also tell you that they don't do that, but they've been conditioned to think and believe that they're channeling these feelings towards something that is beyond their pastor. Well, the problem is there's nothing beyond your pastor. No. So where are you really putting it? Yeah. Think about that. Where are you really putting those loyalties? Yeah. Cassie McGillicuddy on Only Sky gave us an example of what is probably going to happen if you put your trust in a pastor. And this is a fellow pastor. So it could happen either way. Mm -hmm. This person personally knew a pastor named Paul Dial, who was charged last year with capital sexual battery of a victim aged 11 or under. The abuse had begun decades earlier. A fellow pastor of his, Jerry Mullally, had this to say about the charges. He was always a polite man, always outgoing, always wanted to help someone in need. Never did any kind of red flags come up. But I'll say this, you never know who's sitting beside you. And we've learned that from a couple of different sources this oh, week, yeah. haven't we? If you are familiar with Puzzle in a Thunderstorm, the Scathing Atheist is one of their flagship shows. Mm -hmm. um, a bomb got dropped on all of us this past week with one of the higher ups in that organization. So you never know. No, you really you never don't. Know. And we're talking about an atheist podcast, okay? So it's not native or exclusive to evangelicalism or religion in general. You never know the person who's sitting beside you is a great quote because how devastating was it to yeah. learn about P. Andrew Torres? Oh, yeah. How devastating was that? I mean, I'm literally driving home from work and listening to this in my car and almost driving my car off the fucking road listening to it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it may sound like a horribly pessimistic thing to say, but trust no one is usually good policy. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to take the time and make the effort to know who you're placing your trust in, especially when that person is a spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. And once you get comfortable with the idea that these people are too flawed to be able to give you spiritual advice on anything, that's a good recipe for at least taking the first steps toward getting and staying unbound as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Because when you start recognizing 
that you can come up with all the answers to life's questions that these people try to address every Sunday, and you can do it on your own, then you don't really need them. And what happens after you have spent months or years under the covering of one of these pastors and you find out all the skeletons that are rattling in their closet Mm. you learn things about them that make you wonder why you ever trusted them in the first place well it all goes back to not knowing enough pastors (sighs) it doesn't matter what you know it doesn't matter who you know you don't know everything about this person or all the things that they're involved with until certain things come to light most of them are wolves in sheep's clothing and you better beware yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> so what's next? Well, it looks like all is not well in the evangelical prophetic community. When has it been? I don't know. Kyle Mentila from Right Wing Watch writes, A spiritual battle is breaking out among former President Donald Trump's closest evangelical allies as self-declared prophets have begun pointing the finger at each other, declaring the other a false prophet. So it begins. Yeah. This apparent disagreement happened around Kenneth Copeland's Victory Channel show, Flashpoint, a show created to encourage Christians to support Trump and other Republican politicians. The regular lineup of commenters on the show included such prophetic dignitaries as Lance Walnow, Hank Kuhneman, and evangelist Mario Murillo. All of them Trump-loving spiritual leaders. Big air quotes on that. Oh, big. So big. There are a lot of air quotes in this particular episode. Mm -hmm. So if you think there might be air quotes around something, there probably is. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) These guys pushed the big lie narrative after Trump lost, and that if one was a true Christian, they would never accept that Trump lost, and to accept Biden as their president was a sign of disloyalty to God. These people are such one-trick ponies. They're still trying to ride this dead horse, and they keep prodding it and prodding it, and it's never going to get up, folks. It's never going to go anywhere. Just, you know, find something new. Yeah. I mean, I'll readily admit that their lack of ability to find something new here and the way that it's all coming around so that they're fighting with each other is definitely entertaining. Oh, sure. But it's going to stop making the money eventually. Mm -hmm. So they need to come up with something new. Yeah. With so much agreement between these three prophets, you'd think that everything would be hunky-dory. However, earlier this year, Murillo stated that he would no longer appear on Flashpoint with Hank Kuhneman since he was so close to the false prophets Robin Bullock and Cat Care. And here come the factions. Yep. They're going to start forming factions against each other. There are factions. While they all seem to have the same opinions of things, Mario Morello stated that he has lately grown alarmed by some of the wild things preached by Care and Bullock, particularly their insistence that they have been to heaven on multiple occasions and have witnessed everything from dinosaurs to parks made of jello. A lot of this is Cat Kerr. Yeah. A lot of it is her. I mean, Robin Bullock is enough of a nutter on his own. Oh, yeah. But Cat Kerr, I, I think she trumps most of them when it comes to just the insanity yeah. factor of the things that she's claimed it's to see. It's pretty bad. I sat here reading this earlier. 
thinking to myself, just how batshit do you have to be <laughs> when your batshit counterparts are literally standing up to speak out against you? Just how crazy are you when other crazy people are accusing you of being crazy? Mm, yeah, it's nice to know that he draws the line somewhere. Kuhneman has had both speak at his church in Omaha, Nebraska. Kuhneman has had both Robin Bullock and Kat Kerr speak at his church in Omaha, Nebraska. Murillo has asked him to disassociate himself with Karen Bullock, but he has refused. Murillo worries that these two prophets are dangerous and damaging to the church. Gee, you think? Maybe. While he has left the show Flashpoint, Murillo did not stop at that. He has been going on many, many conservative Christian platforms, spreading the word about Karen Bullock, saying that their claims are heresy. Murillo has already won over at least one commentator to his side, podcaster Stephen Strang of the Strang Report. Clever name. During their discussion, Murillo and Strang agreed that Kerr and Bullock are preaching heresy and represent a serious threat to the body of Christ, with Strang going so far as to say the claims made by Kerr and Bullock almost borders on mental illness. What do you mean, almost? Listen to these people. They are several fries short of a Happy Meal. Yeah. Almost doesn't even factor in. Yeah. These people are nuts. And mm. again, when... Other nutters call you out for your nuttiness. <laughs> How nutty must you be? Well, the controversy is spreading and people are taking sides. Definitely not good for Trump, but I, for one, am interested in what happens next. Yeah, I mean... I want to see it. Yeah, it's turning into a sort of soap opera. Yeah. And I feel like this whole thing's going to implode eventually with all of the discord that is being generated by all of this. And, I mean, you know, we've been saying this for a while on this show. We've been monitoring what these so-called prophets have been doing and saying for quite a while. Yeah. And I'll say it again. They need to come up with another angle. Yeah. They need to come up with something else to talk about here. Not these Willy Wonka fantasies of Cat Kerr and not these overinflated visions that Robin Bullock has all the time, oh, especially yeah. the ones that revolve around Trump. You know what? Get off the Trump train, okay? Yeah. Because this is not working for you anymore. No, it really is. You need isn't. to come up with a different grift. Well, we, we got a twofer on the false prophet train this week. So oh, what do yeah. we got next? It looks like the self-proclaimed prophets are starting to gravitate toward Ron DeSantis, with Charlie Champ claiming he received a vision several years ago, revealing that DeSantis' ultimate future is to have a position in the United States as the president. Did he tell anybody about this years ago? Mm, it's always, oh, yeah, I, I knew this ago. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> this is just so crazy. And what a vision it was, friends. He dreamed of two palm trees, one in California and one in Florida. When he asked God, hey, what's with the trees? God told him that the one in California was Ronald Reagan and the one in Florida was Ronald DeSantis. See? DeSantis has an anointing similar to Ronald Reagan. So Ronald DeSantis is the second coming of Reagan? Whatever. Whatever. He goes on to say that the DeSantis tree is uprooted and transported to Washington, D.C. And then he says, and as the storms came, he was not moved. Oh, for crying out loud. You know, I think he missed the boat on this one. Because yeah. with Donald Trump's undying love for McDonald's, 
why didn't he tie Ronald McDonald into this too? You know, Donald Trump loves McDonald. So there's another Ronald for you to latch on to. Why do I have to think about this? You should have come up with it. It's the Ronald trifecta, dude. You really missed the boat. But uh, but if you're listening, feel free to pick this up and run with it. It'll just make you look stupider. Yeah. I strongly recommend that you go watch the clip on Right Wing Watch's Twitter. The link is in the show notes. For one thing, Charlie Shamp's hair is a sight to behold. It is just all on top of his head. It's just <laughs> Well, most of us have hair on top of our head, no, but I know what you're talking about. But I it's a bouffant. Oh, yeah. And for another, there's all the co-hosts nodding and smiling at every word this guy says. They look like bobbleheads. Then there's listening to him describing this vision. It's like watching a very weird movie and one with an unhappy ending. <laughs> wow. That last line about nodding and smiling, it, are we talking about, like, what is that one YouTube channel, Elijah Streams? No, it isn't even Elijah Streams. It's another one that I can't really figure out which one it is. Because as soon as I read that, that was the first thing I thought of, was, was... the dude on Elijah Streams. I forget what his name is. It's, it's not coming to me immediately. But he just sits there and nods and agrees with everything that nutters like Kat Kerr have to say. And yeah. uh, it's like, well, you know what? That's the mindset. Steve Taylor was right about a few things. And the whole aspect of being a clone and kissing conviction goodnight is one thing that these people are very, very good at. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this doesn't surprise me. And I can see it. And the parallels between all of these, when you want to call them content creators, go right ahead, yeah. is, uh, is staggering. Yeah, it kind of looked like Jim Baker's show. But I couldn't tell. I couldn't really see anybody else because they were focused on Charlie Champ. Okay. They were just focused on him. So they weren't really showing too much of everybody. But the things you did see was basically them just nodding and smiling and going, yes, that's true. Well, yeah, because that communicates to the viewer that you should agree with this too. This is right and you should agree. Nod, 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 nod. Yes, 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 yes. Believe this, believe this, believe this. It's just another one of their ploys. It's almost a hypnotic suggestion. The way that they sit there and they get you thinking along a certain line just by sitting there and nodding and making these affirmative gestures, not even words, just affirmative gestures. And you see that and your brain starts saying yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. And that's how they get you. And being that... Today is game day. We're going to end off with this absolute gem that just really encapsulates well just how afraid these people are of some of the most base parts of our mental, emotional makeup. So what are we ending things off with this week? Well, the big game is like tonight. And of course, leave it to coach Dave Dobbenmeyer to declare a timely and inspirational message. I wasn't inspired by it, but okay. No. I wonder if he will interpret any scores as predictions for next election. Alas, this year he's got his eyes set on the halftime orgy with Rihanna. Oh, get over it. Here's coach Dave to tell us what it's all about. We coach Christians on how to effectively fight the spirits of darkness. We're going to war at the halftime of the Super Bowl. Will you join us? Here is the plan. We are going to gather online to pray against the principalities and powers and their diabolical plan 
Instead of offering our time and attention to the halftime orgy, we invite you and those you are watching the game with to join us for 30 minutes of prayer and intercession as their satanic ritual is streaming. Oh, brother. Turn off your TV during halftime and join us in prayer. Nothing hurts the NFL more than turning off the TV. And why is it necessary to hurt the NFL? Why is it necessary to hurt anybody? Why are you people always so fixated on violence and threatening people and all of these things that your religion is not supposed to be about? I thought that your savior was the man of peace. Well, I guess if you take his own words in stride, he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. So I guess carry on. I don't know. I don't know what to think about stuff like this half the time when I see it. It's like it's it's so oozing with hate. And in this particular instance, it's oozing with hate for human nature. Yeah. You know, provocative dance, provocative lyrics, things like that don't add up to an orgy, my friend. No. You know, have you ever been to one? Maybe you should I go to it. one. Maybe you'd lighten up just a little bit. Yeah. But until that day, can we just cease with the overstatement and with all this alarmist bullshit that just stems from your own insecurities? Can we just not for just a little while here? <laughs> I was working with a pastor for a while in the early OOs, and I don't even remember precisely what year this was, but it was a long time ago when uh, the whole thing with Justin Timberlake and uh, Janet Jackson happened. Well, this guy had arranged a Super Bowl party at his house, and you know, I decided to go only because I was basically the associate pastor at that church at that point. I was most of the music ministry, and I was doing other things with the church. When he was away, I was the one that basically ran services, did sermons, all of that. So basically, I was the associate pastor. And I decided as a means of supporting what this guy was doing, even though I had zero interest in football, I had interest in wings. And <laughs> and he said that one of, one of the guys in the church was really, really good at making wings, and he was bringing wings. I said, okay, so I have to watch this game, but I get to eat wings, so I'm going to go. And he did the exact same thing. He turned off the TV at halftime. And as soon as it became common knowledge what had happened during the halftime show, he's like, see, see, I was right. As the pastor of this church, I'm charged with protecting my flock. And we didn't watch that. And that's a win for me as your pastor. That is a win for me. And it's a win for you because you didn't get exposed to that. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Even back then, even back then, the notion that I had to be protected from a not even completely bare breast right. was ridiculous. And uh, I'm like, you know, if we had gotten to watch that, it would have at least made this excursion out here, I don't know, just a little bit more worth it. But of course... I was protected by my pastor, my covering, my shepherd. He turned off the TV during that evil halftime show, so we didn't have to see Janet Jackson's booby. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't want to go off on too much of a tangent with that, but this is not the first time that one of these idiots has tried to act the hero for steering people away from this diabolical thing called sexuality during the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, uh... Didn't mean to steal your fire. I know you got more to say about this. Um, Coach Dave also complained of the recent Grammy Awards, where one performance was described as, it was a blatant worship service offered to the Prince of Darkness. Satan and his minions have come out of the closet. 
Were they ever in a closet? No. They, they've <laughs> never been anywhere because they don't exist. This but is true. I digress. And then he goes on. This Sunday, Rihanna is going to entertain 50 million consumers with what is sure to be a filth-laced performance designed to poison the minds of mind-numbed Americans. What could possibly go wrong? Who is the NFL target audience? Why is the devil always after our kids? Well, I'm going to answer at least one of these questions. Who is the NFL target audience? Um, You know what? There are a lot of liberals that like football, but there's a lot more conservatives that go batshit insane over it. Yeah. So who is the NFL target audience? The people in the pews in your church. Yeah. Okay. That's the target audience. We're all the target audience. You know, it's not like the NFL is a religious icon or anything like that. There are plenty of people on both sides of the political fence that are glued to their TVs today watching people throw this thing that's not even a ball, but they call it a ball around for (laughs) the entertainment of all these people in the stands that have literally paid four figures for some of these tickets. Yeah. Okay? Crazy. That's, um, That's their target audience. Every last person that is in your church today is their target audience. So be careful who you offend. Yeah. Be careful who you vilify because pretty much everybody you know is their target audience, including you. And he wasn't done. And he says, although none of us know what is going to be vomited into our homes at halftime, we can all rest assured that it was cooked up in the pit of hell. Are we simply to sit around and take it as the demonic bilge spews out of the plasma screen into the conscience of quasi-innocent viewers? I wonder who wrote that for him, because I refuse to believe that he came up with that himself. The way that they overstate things, the way that they take this chicken little approach to everything. You know, part of me wants to watch the halftime show now. Oh, right. Part of me just wants to take that half hour of my life and just as a fuck you to this guy, just watch it yeah. and enjoy it. Because yeah. with all due respect, music makes people feel good. Provocative anything makes people feel good. Well, yeah. And someone singing a song, my friend, is not an orgy. No. Okay? The way that he is describing this, he's he's acting like... Well, I, I gave the chicken little analogy a second ago. But he's acting like the fucking sky is falling. I know. And no, not really. It's just a halftime show, and with all due respect, you're probably going to see more provocative stuff on BH1 yeah. than you're going to see here. So lighten the fuck up. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch. But don't act like this is some kind of military objective from the dark side yeah, to right. try and lead people astray. No, that's really not what's going on here. Demonic bilge. Wow. I mean, again, I don't think that he wrote a word of this. <laughs> I think he had a little bit of help. Probably went on Fiverr and got somebody to write that part for him. But um, <laughs> He's but, so cheerful. Oh, yeah. Such a cheerful dude. And, yeah, it's nice to see that he's not being too overly dramatic yeah. with this. No. Not going too far off the deep end. Not at all. <laughs> so I have an unlikely message to the subjects of all of our stories this week. I'm not even talking to the audience. I'm talking to everyone that we've talked about. (laughs) And that's how I'm going to end things off this week. So my message to all of you is simply this. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Wait, what? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. If you work backwards through today's stories, 
It's clear that these people's antics all culminate with a decrease in trust, both of them and in the things that they do and say. And in my book, that's nothing but good news. Sooner or later, people are going to stop listening to the messaging that vilifies sexuality and attempts to shame them for having natural base urges. They're already starting to distance themselves from self-proclaimed prophets to the point where these hapless messengers seem to be turning into their own convoluted sports league in step with things like pro wrestling and the good old XFL, if anybody <laughs> actually remembers that. And... These things seem to culminate in a diminishing sense of trust in spiritual leadership. So yeah, keep up the good work. Keep shining the spotlight on your buffoonery. Keep demonstrating your absurdities and escalating your infighting because the crazier you people make your religion out to be in the public eye, the more people are going to see through your facade and start getting unbound. enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound. <laughs>